two months ago. <laughs> I don't know how long it's been for the whole book. But we're looking at that great faith chapter. Great, great chapter of the Bible. We began by noting that while faith does indeed have a future element to it, it also has a present and a past element as well. We then explored the difference between walking by faith and walking by sight. On Mother's Day, we looked at God's gift to Sarah and Abraham. And then we were challenged to make certain that we pass on God's promises to our children and to our children's children. We then spent three weeks hopefully having fun, looking at the lives of Moses and Joshua through the eyes of children and through the eyes of a preacher who really enjoys telling story sermons. Today and next week, we're going to go back into the text of Hebrews for a more serious look at what we have covered in story format. And then we will tell the stories of Gideon and Samson before closing out the chapter with another formal study. And this morning we're going to explore how faith enables us to overcome fear. Fear of law Fear of hardship, fear of man, and fear of death. We begin with a look at faith, overcoming the fear of law. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. In 1776, the fathers of our nation were likewise not afraid to respectfully defy a king and his edicts. They declared, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And then they noted the history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny. They therefore appealed to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions and solemnly published and declared that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. This they did with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence and mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They, like Moses' parents, knew there were limits to a king's authority. Now, it is true that the Apostle Paul instructs us to be in subjection to those in authority over us. And Peter specifically says we are to submit ourselves to kings and governors. But when commanded to ignore Christ's commission, Peter said, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. 
And eventually he did have to clearly state, we must obey God rather than men. Now, that is not license to disregard those in authority. Paul makes it very clear that there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Now, that does not mean the man on the throne or in the White House is necessarily God's choice. Only that God has established civil authorities. And to resist authority in general is to oppose the ordinance of God. We must never assume that because we are Christians, we are above the law of the land. Nor should we look for reasons to practice civil disobedience. If possible, we should obey God and man. And when the two appear to be in conflict, we should strive to find a way to obey them both. Moses' parents did. They obeyed Pharaoh by putting their baby boy in the Nile. And they obeyed God by finding a way to protect the child entrusted to them. There may, however, come a time when we cannot find a way to obey both God and man. And if that time comes, we must have faith enough to do what is right. Even if we are threatened by the sword God has put into the hands of civil authorities. If they misuse the sword and are unfaithful as ministers of God, authorized by Him to bring wrath on those who do evil, we have to trust that he will hold them accountable, and that he will see to it that justice is done however he chooses and whenever he chooses. We must always respect the law. But we must never allow fear of the law to keep us from doing what God has told us to do. And we should never give up our God-given rights nor avoid expressing them out of fear that to do so might run afoul the law. No, there are those who believe any public expressions of faith violate the law and would intimidate us into silence if we let them. Faithfulness to God trumps the laws of men. And unjust laws and faulty interpretations of the law must be confronted as such. Faith overcomes fear of the law. And it overcomes fear of hardship. Verses 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to endure ill-treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. You know, Moses had it good. He was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised with a proverbial silver spoon in his mouth in a palace. But he risked it all 
when he saw a Hebrew slave being beaten and went to his defense. His birth mother had taught him that he was a Hebrew and that God had made promises to the children of Israel. Those promises were obviously long in coming. They'd been living in Egypt for 400 years. But Moses believed in the promises of God. And he had enough faith in them to walk away from the security of a privileged position to identify with the people of God. And was willing to give up the passing pleasures of sin for the eternal promises of God. The fear of hardship, even slavery, wasn't enough to dissuade him. You know, long before the Apostle Paul would write, whatever we have to go through now is less than nothing compared to the magnificent future God has planned for us. Moses believed it. And before the bread of heaven came to earth, and the manna that represented him appeared in the wilderness, Moses trusted that his heavenly Father would provide for his daily needs. He did not allow the fear of hardship to keep him from doing what he knew God wanted him to do or giving up what God wanted him to give up. His faith overcame the fear of hardship and the one who threatened his life. His faith overcame the fear of man. Verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Now, at first glance, this seems to contradict the record in Exodus where it says Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh. However, we should note, it never says he was afraid of Pharaoh. It acknowledges that he was afraid when he realized his killing of an Egyptian had become known, and that fear may have simply been the realization that there would be consequences for his action. Now, that may seem to be splitting hairs, but apparently that distinction was significant to the author of Hebrews. He clearly states that Moses was not afraid of the king. And we have to trust that his insight into Moses' motivation for fleeing was given to him through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The point he is making was that Moses wasn't so much running away from a man he could see as he was running to a God he couldn't see that he had eyes of faith to see that which is unseen. And as the author had noted in the first verse of chapter 11, faith is the conviction of things not seen. Moses was convinced God was in control of his life even before God appeared to him in a burning bush. And he feared the unseen God more than he feared any man. Long before Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Moses understood it. 
And as a result, he was willing to endure his time as a fugitive in Midian, living as an alien in a foreign land, as had Abraham before him, because he knew it was the unseen God who controlled his eternal destiny and who would one day provide him with an eternal home. He understood what Paul would write some 1,500 years later in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen eternal. If we'll have faith enough to keep our eyes fixed on that which is eternal, we will fear no man, not even the king, because we will have no fear of death. Verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn might not touch them. Now, it didn't make sense to kill a lamb and smear its blood above and along the sides of the front door. How could that keep the death angel from entering a house and killing the firstborn? God has said he was going to pass over the land and take the life of the firstborn as a judgment against disobedience. But why was it necessary to kill a perfect lamb and paint the door with blood to survive the night? Couldn't you just pray or confess your sin or run and hide? Better yet, why not just live in denial of death? True, death is a fact of life, and everyone knows they're going to die sometime. But why think about it today? Now, thinking about death is seldom pleasant. And whether we want to admit it or not, all of us live in fear of death, or at least the process of dying. In spite of our faith, there are still some unknowns in death, and they frighten us. And after all that had been seen in Egypt, the threat of a destroyer striking down the firstborn of man and beast was frightening. They had already seen the water of the Nile turn to blood and all the fish die. They had been invaded by frogs and lice and flies. They had seen the livestock of the Egyptians dying in the fields and the Egyptians covered with boils. They had witnessed the devastation of hail and locusts and a darkness that could be felt. And now they were being threatened with death. But God said they would be spared if a lamb would be sacrificed and they would come under the protection of its blood. Did they have faith enough to do what God told them to do even if it didn't make sense to them. Well, Moses did. And he convinced the children of Israel to do as God had commanded. A lamb was slain for every household. 
and families were made ready for the journey to the Promised Land. By faith, they trusted that God would do what He said He would do, that He would take away the sting of death, and He did. Those who entrusted themselves to the blood of the Lamb were saved, as are we. For as Peter tells us in his first epistle, we are not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ takes away the sting of death. Death for us becomes merely the exchange of that which is mortal for that which is immortal. And as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57, when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up. In victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, by faith, we can overcome the fear of law. The fear of hardship, the fear of man, and the fear of death. Indeed, faith is the victory that overcomes the world.